What's up, guys? Welcome to the Rebuild Stronger podcast, where we talk about all things powerlifting, strength, sport, business, and life. Hope you enjoy. So, why? Um, I wanted to ask you what you think of the new IPF bench rule. You know, I, I'm not a fan. I don't really care because I'm not IPF powerlifting America. And I'm just going to go back to USAPL now if I ever do stiff bar again. But I would hate to judge it, honestly, because I was just judging a meet last weekend. And being a side judge, like I'm staring at the butt. The last thing I want to try and see is elbow depth. Well, it's my understanding it's going to be the head judges responsibility that you won't get the press command until the you've reached proper bench depth. Oh, so that is the case. I wasn't sure about that. I thought it was just going to be, if you were touching your chest and were paused, they'd give it to you and you might get red lighted for it. No, it's it, from my understanding, from a technical standpoint, it's bar comes down, gets to elbow depth and they get the press to press command. Once you've attained that. What's up, guys? I want to take a quick break here and explain kind of the context behind what we're talking about. Uh, shout out to Jamel Clark for pointing this out. We completely missed like talking about what actually changed here. So the original bench rules in the IPF, there, there didn't have to be a required range of motion for the bench press like you would see in the squat. As long as the feet were flat, the butt was on the bench, and the shoulders were flat on the bench, then you were able to execute in any way shape or form so you would see these really big arches and at times especially at very high competitive levels and individuals that could get into these extreme arch positions you'd see benches that were one two inches in range of motion slight elbow bend and extension uh, and what they've done is they've changed the rule so that you have to get the bottom of the elbow to break below the top of the shoulder joint if you're facing the, the top of the athlete. So that's the biggest change requiring this range of motion difference. So hopefully that gives you enough context to, to follow along because I realized, man, we didn't explain that at all. So back to the show. And so, and so the it's like the motionless. So it's like the infinite deadlift lockout when you're waiting for that down call and you're not locked out. It's people are just getting stuck on their chest. Because the, oh, per- the only person that has a frame of reference to the top of the shoulder is going to be the head judge. Yeah. Now, they've got uh, all these other things to watch. And I, I, I'm, not, I'm not super sold on uh, the, the pause being that extended. I mean, we can, we can see it pretty quickly with, with squat depth. But I, I think the thing that is kind of throwing me off a little bit is it seems like just an arbitrary standard. Yeah, a little bit. And I understand the optics. I understand we're like, well, we want the general public to understand it and see it and like make it a real test of strength. But like one of the things that's really interesting to me is, you know, how much does this actually like fairly impact everybody? You know what I mean? It's only 5% of lifters, but it was three of the 16 world champions at IPF bench only worlds. Yeah, that sounds like more than five percent, and then at least one of the a lot of the comments, oh, a lot of 
a lot of the comments <laughs> are mostly just a bunch of gym bros that are angry that a bunch of girls outbenched them. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Um, and I definitely think women get attacked a little more for the arch, which this doesn't solve the whole arching issue. People are still going to criticize it for the arch. I feel like that's the main issue. Like, obviously, people don't like the two-inch range of motion either. But I think it's going to receive you know, 98% of the same amount of criticism and not make it any more appealing to the public. Like you can see in the images they put out on social media, like it's still a powerlifting bench, like still people with a big arch, relatively shorter range of motion. And it doesn't solve the issue of, a, of appeasing the bros. Well, and this is, I'm going to bring kind of the same argument I've brought with equip lifting and everybody talking about like David Hoff and his thousand plus pound bench presses and some of the stuff coming out there now, especially with the new advanced equipment and multiply, you know, some of these things are, they're insane now, man. Like the, the equipment that's coming out there, they're like, Oh, look, the shirt's doing all the work. And I always wonder like, when's the last time you had a thousand pounds on your wrists? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's the mm-hmm. same thing here. It's like, okay, cool. So we have a, you know, 52 kilo female, coming out and doing a 200 plus pound bench press, maybe even more, definitely even more. Uh, if we're talking about a elite world level that yeah, is, is the two inch range of motion, a three inch range of motion. But like, could you imagine how difficult that is to control, to actually yeah. execute, to proficiently execute, mm-hmm. to train for like the time that it takes to actually develop that sort of technical proficiency with maximal loads i don't it, like all it says to me for for people who are like very critical who've been like yeah i've never competed or you know you, the, what always happens in the forums is people go and look up their open powerlifting totals right <laughs> it's the first thing well i can't find you on open powerlifting <laughs> but it just it it shows a lack of understanding for the sport of powerlifting now, I've also heard of the flip side, prominent coaches, prominent individuals within powerlifting look at powerlifting through the lens of what it does for other things, not as a sport only, as like how it can change your physique and empower you emotionally and all those sorts of things. But to me, the rules in the IPF should be based off the sport, how you dictate your athletes use the sport is on you as a coach it shouldn't change the way we write rules based off the sport yeah i i would agree i i kind of like the analogy i came up with with this in my head last night it's oh, like you're proud of this you're you've oh, been waiting you've been I waiting am. to share this one i didn't even know this was going to happen and now i have a chance but i think it's like it's like racing everyone drives a car we all understand that NASCAR is stock car racing. They use the same model cars you, me, and everyone else drive every day for the most part. But those cars are different. They drive way faster. Just It's a completely different thing. And then you have IndyCar racing, which is essentially equipped lifting, which is its own beast. Like Those things are going constantly over 200 miles an hour. They look different. Like It's just a whole different beast. And I think that's just what powerlifting is. Like Most people, they can go to Planet Fitness, YMCA. They can lift a barbell. They understand that. But if you're going to get get it to a sport, it should have, you know, technical differences. Like, 
I don't want to just go in and bro bench um, to put up the most weight. I want to be technically and mechanically efficient, which is going to involve some degree of arching, probably using a wider grip and, you know, doing things to give myself as much technical advantage alongside the strength I produce. So I think it's just, it's too much of wanting to appeal to the bros when it's like it, it shouldn't look the same as what everyone does at the ymca like it, it shouldn't that's like saying nascar should take out all the big engines and just go over to ford and toyota grab those cars and race them on the track that no one wants to see that well and i also understand like one of the arguments that i've seen is it's a safety thing and especially from an optics standpoint like there's people that see the arch and they go oh god that can't be healthy. You know, like you're going to need X, Y, Z. And as lifters for the last decade, we've tried to explain like there's no axial load and there's no this and there's no that. That's great. But the general public isn't going to know or understand. The thing to me though, and, and this is, <laughs> you talk about F1 racing, you talk about like that sort of thing. I don't know if there's uh, anybody on the MotoGP, right? The, the, the high speed motorcycle circuit. I don't know if there's anybody in F1 racing, open wheel racing. I don't know if there's anybody in the NFL. I don't know if there's any baseball pitchers out there that are like, yeah, I do this for my health. <laughs> that's, that's what we need to understand. At that level of sport, this is no longer about safety. I'm not lifting for safety. I'm not lifting for those aspects of it. I am lifting to move an extreme amount of weight that puts me in inherent danger. We don't want injuries. We don't want those things to happen, but I find it very interesting that like, because lifting is really accessible, we, we change the lens, we view it as, as a sport. And people say, well, that looks dangerous. Well, yeah, like trying to tackle Derrick Henry is dangerous too. You yeah. still see dudes throwing themselves at him, and, but, but John, the reward is millions of dollars. Okay. Our reward is open powerlifting. Yeah, like every, for us, if you're willing to sign off on it and say, yeah, I'm good, then sign off on it. And yeah, I'm good. Compete within the rules. Do what you're asked to do. And if you find a way to keep your butt on the bench and your shoulders on the bench and bring that thing to your chest and make it motionless, I don't care how far it moves. I don't care where your elbows are. If, <laughs> especially if you think about I'm going to use the, the example of a 52 kilo female again. Like this isn't a broad individual that's got like all this inherent stability on a bench. Oh. Like, like you, that's an incredible feat. Just yeah. getting weighed out like that and stabilizing it in that sort of position and being able to maintain it is insane to me, but that's, that's not appreciated. No. It's not appreciated until someone experiences uh, um, actually. So last block, I did an illegal grip Larson bench. I was two finger widths outside max legal grip. My pecs and shoulders were on fire doing it for sets of 10. And I was like, all I could think was this is essentially if I were a smaller lifter doing max legal grip, this sucks. (laughs) Well, and I think that's on the flip side of the argument, people who are against the rule, their, their look on safety is a death call is going to increase injury rate. Now, I don't know how much I necessarily believe in that claim. 
Um, I am a believer that the arch in and of itself is protective because it keeps your shoulder from going into in going into excessive internal rotation during the movement, which we, we do tend to see to be an aggravator, right? Can you adapt to it? Sure. Like hundred percent, you probably can adapt to it. Um, but like, why are we forcing people into that position when we know this is a protective position? So I don't know if it's necessarily going to, I've seen claims like by 2025 injury rates of the shoulder are going to double. Yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah. But I do, I do feel like it's it, the risk reward is off for this one. Yeah. And on it, it's going to be confusing too. Cause like initially you think it's going to really affect smaller lifters at the meet I was judging at just a week and a half ago, some bigger dudes with some T-Rex arms. Stop talking about me, bro. <laughs> they actually had bigger belly than you. I'm right here. Uh, <laughs> I'm right here. But they weren't hitting depth. I had to check the other day. Yeah. I had to check. When it got announced, I literally stood up right from where I am. I walked over to there because the bench was still loaded. And I, like, camera right above my head, <laughs> judge's chair, like, okay, can I do it? And – in all reality, if I go wider than pinkies on the rings, it's going to be a judgment call. Yeah. Now, I'm fortunate. Pinkies on rings for me is the strongest grip I have. But, I mean, I'd, I'd check. Yeah. It, it, it's a just – it's an interesting call. I, I would have thought maybe, you know, half the weight classes could go – like the smaller weight classes go to pinky on the ring. And the bigger weight classes are allowed to go index on the ring, something like that. That's what I saw discussed in one uh, chat. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. We'll s- I mean, it's only going to affect a small amount of power lifters. And so I'm not really too concerned because WRPF USPA. Well, and that, that's the other piece, too. This isn't a wholesale change across powerlifting. No. We're not looking at this as saying, oh, no, this is the IPF that has a, a, a new and developing affiliate within the U.S. in Powerlifting America. And USAPL, USPA, WRPF, RPS, well, I mean, RPS won't listen to anybody. Um, but, like, those federations aren't just going to immediately adopt this because the IPF did. No, not at all. So for any type of progress in any sports, somebody has to go and, and experiment with something new. So it's not that I disagree. Like I would, if, if this became a wholesale rule across all the powerlifting, I'd be like, "Whoa, guys, let's pull the brakes here for a second. But let's go ahead and let the IPF experiment and see the feasibility of this sort of thing. Let's see how it actually changes things. Let's see if it actually changes totals. Let's see if it actually changes bench numbers. Let's see if it's something you can do without having like a five second pause in the chest. Let's see if it can be reliably uh, looked at. Let's see what the jury tables think when people go to overturn this stuff, because it's more than just that rule, right? Like the whole butt has to stay on the bench now. Like you can't put your feet on the bench for setup. So there's a lot of pieces that were added. Um, it, we just got to gotta see how it actually gets executed. And it may not be as big a deal as we think. Yeah, it, it, I definitely think it's a bit of an overreaction for a lot of people because probably most people are hitting depth or at least close. Most people are unaffected. and to if you are affected i think there's some pretty practical ways that you can change your setup without having too big of an impact because like 
I mean, for years, my close grip, it's always five to 10 pounds behind my regular and I'm max legal grip. Like, you know, you, you can bring your grip in or tra- change your arch. There's practical ways, unless it's just your uber bench, spe- bench, yeah, bench specialist. Yeah. And it, like, here's the other piece, you know, and this is, <laughs> I've seen this a couple times, but it is my, my personal. Outside of bench worlds, like, are bench specialists like really getting, getting ahead that far because of a bench? No, it's, it's one of three lifts and it's the lightest lift. It's the lightest of the three. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so don't get me wrong between my squat, my, my personal meat philosophy. This is seriously, it's a hundred percent what it is. I know I'm going to out squat most people. I know I'm going to out bench most people. So my, my goal is to get as far out in front that if you're a deadlift specialist, you got to do something stupid. (laughs) So you're saying I need to jump up to the 308s and challenge you. Go for it, man. But like that's that that's my general philosophy when I go into a meet. Like that's the way I'm going to go about it, right? But I've never looked at it and been like, well, I'm just going to focus on bench to 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 make my total tougher to beat. You know, it's it's always a combination of those two, or like you've seen, oh, who was it? Is it Nathan Alexander from two or three years ago at USAPL Nationals? was in like sixth and came in and just pulled this massive deadlift and ended up going all the way up to second. Something crazy. Like when the bar touches the floor, there are some freaks out there, man, that can really get some shit done. It's you're probably not going to make that much of a difference up in the bench. Especially considering most bench specialists aren't, are usually worse at deadlift. Yeah. Cause it's these little, you talked about the T-Rex arms. (laughs) Like, can we, not yeah you know you gotta you gotta get the longer arms the long legs and sumo be be that deadlift specialist that's all you gotta do just you know (laughs) in the two hour break between bench press and deadlift i just gotta go get put on a rack and get stretched out exactly except i'm only a sumo deadlift specialist i'm not conventional specialist oof yeah you will one day you'll be strong everywhere yeah Uh, you know i might open up at conventional and then pull the old switcheroo the next meet i've done it before I just want to do it for fun. <laughs> I've, I've pulled my opener on the lighter, the, the, the lighter of the two variations before. The, the current plan is open at 496 conventional and then jump to 600 sumo. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just lock in the total. All right. Why I'd appreciate it. Thanks of for having me. Talk soon. All right. All right. Peace.